This whole series, Growth Track, is about a process that we can walk through to advance our faith. And we didn't come up with this. This is actually something that Jesus started doing a very long time ago. But what he'd do is when he found people, he would interact with them, and he would move them through kind of these stages of development in order to develop their faith. And we see that these men would grow from very, very weak in faith to people who were, um, well, I mean, did amazing things. We read about them literally in the Bible, right? And we paired the same basic thing for our church, that we have this growth track, opportunities where you can develop your faith and you can grow it. And that's what we're talking about, is it pairs both um, the, the Jesus side of it, how he did these things, and then obviously how we do it as a church, how we try to build these steps where you can develop your faith inside of Acts Church as well, too. Let me ask you a question to start. How many people got credit cards out here? Okay, now... How many people in your life could you honestly hand that credit card to and have no concerns? Like you could just give them that credit card and leave it with them for like a few days. You'd just be like, yeah, could you pick me up like some toilet paper? Here's a credit card. Just get it back to me in a few days. There's probably only a few people in your life who you would trust with that, right? There's not a lot of people. I mean, like, there's not everyone who you know, all the different friends from work and school or whatever you might be in. There's not very many people that you would just hand your credit card to and be like, just get it back to you whenever, right? Kind of scary. Some of you guys are looking at your kids. I saw you guys, like, elbowing each other. Like, nope, you're not getting my credit card. And I think the reason why is obviously trust is very, very hard to come by. Trust is difficult. It it takes a while. There are only um, a, a small group of people in my own life that I really have a, a deep sense of trust for you. I mean, I, I generally trust people, but then there's people who you really trust. I mean, you, you could do that. You could give them your credit card, and you know, you know they're, they're trustworthy with your finances. Or, or decisions, even decisions in your life, when they give you advice, you know that you can trust their advice. They're people, a small group of people. And that's, you know, me, a handful of people who I really know, I really, really trust with everything in my life. And I hope you guys have that too. But obviously... Um, a fool would be someone who would trust like that for everybody, right? We know that we should also be cautious in that sense. And trust is hard to come by in a sense. Um, innocence in children, we kind of see that. They have, have blind trust for almost everybody. But this week, what we're talking about is uh, our fourth step, which is titled Trusted. And I want to talk to you about, obviously, how this interesting um, thought of while Jesus was here, he trusted men. Now, this is what's crazy, because we're talking about Jesus here, the most perfect person ever, you know, God encased in man, trusting imperfect and sometimes um, very, very flawed human beings. And I want to talk to you about how Jesus did that, and then obviously how, how we do it as a church, how trusted is the next step in our, in our growth track, and how that incorporates for you and your faith as well, too. So I have three basic things I want you to see this morning um, that Jesus did. And then, you know, like I said, I'm infatuated with Jesus. Everything Jesus did is awesome to me. When I look at his teaching, I believe that's where we can learn all of our things. So if you'll notice, the things that Jesus did is, is the same kind of process that we take with these things as well, too. So I just want to communicate with you these, this, this morning and then take a look at how it actually applies to your own life. So first and foremost, when Jesus was here, um, when it comes to trusting these people who he was developing through this faith, what we see is that Jesus grew a team that owned his message. He grew a team that owned his message, the words that he had. Now, obviously, when Jesus came here, Son of God, come to earth to rescue those who are departed from God, basically by our sins, separated from God, and to bring them back, he obviously had the most important message in the universe, right? I mean, the most important story, the most important truths to be communicated ever to the world. Very, very serious stuff, right? 
And in his life, he, he preached and he, he taught. He traveled around to uh, a small group of towns and he would teach them. But the interesting thing is, is on top of that as well, he began to trust other people to communicate this truth. I mean, this very, very important, very, very world-changing truth. He began to trust men to communicate the same truth to others. We see this um, in, in the Gospels, obviously. Uh, Luke 9, 1 through 2, it says, One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all, sickness, uh, heal all diseases. Excuse me. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse 6, if we jump ahead, it says, So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. So he takes 12 disciples, 12 men who were close by him, and after only a short amount of time, he explains what it is that he's preaching, and he tells these 12 men, now you go out and you communicate the same message to others. You carry the message that I've been telling to everyone who you can go to. He said, a lot of times he sent them out in twos. You go here, you guys go here, you guys go here, and spread this message out even more wide. They come back really, really excited. And what's interesting is that's Luke 9, only a chapter later in Luke 10, we see Luke ten one says this, Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. If we jump down to verse 17 again, it says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Only one chapter later, and if you read between them, not a lot had happened. I mean, obviously some things could be left out there, but it seems pretty close in time frame in his life that he sent 12 out to go preach, and then only just a little while later, he had 72 more, and he sent them out to go and to spread this gospel to other people, to prepare people. So we see in a very short amount of time, he goes from him preaching this message to 12 more people preaching this message, there's 13, to 72 on top of that 12, which makes 85, including him preaching this message. And what he does is he's growing a team that owns the message that he's communicating, and he sends them out so that they can reach farther with this truth so that they can communicate this to more and more opportunity. He gave these men this opportunity to serve. We see the fact, as I've talked about in the last weeks, that Jesus, he'd find these men and he loved them, he educated them, or excuse me, he, he saved them by communicating who he was, and then he began to educate them and even train them in the things of the Lord. But then he moved them to this place of, of, of trust, where he would give them truths and say, now you go and you communicate these things. He grew a team of people who owned that message. Well, at Acts Church, it's a lot of the same thing. Um, we believe that God has placed a special vision on us as this church. That years ago when we were planning this church, that he began to communicate who we were to be as a church, who it is that we were supposed to reach for, what it is that we were supposed to do. He gave us the things, our, our rock-steady beliefs. He gave us values that we were to live by as a church. And what we have to do is the very same thing that Jesus did, that we would grow a team who would own that message. That's what we're here for. That's what you're here for, is we want to grow a team who owns this message so that we can accomplish greater things, so that we can affect a community in greater ways. And one of the ways that we do this, which is, is new this year, that we're really trying to be intentional with this whole growth track, obviously, getting people plugged in, in in clear ways so you can see what it is, is what we call ownership. When people go through this, this growth track and they're, they're loved and saved and educated, and then they get to this place where well, we want to begin to trust them. There's this opportunity that we have for them, which we call ownership. If you think of most churches, you've probably heard of this. They have church members, right? 
church membership. It's a group of people who belong to a church. They sign up and they say, I'm a member of this church. But I think that there's a problem. Because see, what member, what member communicates is that I have privileges. I'm a member here. I'm a member. Are you a member? I'm a member. I have privileges here. I'm a member. But that's not the point at all. You see, members have privileges, but what we have is ownership because you know what owners have? Responsibilities. Members have privileges, but owners have responsibilities. How many people own a house? Responsibility, right? Yeah, responsibility. The same thing that we communicate is that is that we don't have a, a membership where people sign up and then they say, I'm a member at Acts Church now. What we have as ownership is where basically we have these, these opportunities we're going to give where people can come and hear what our vision is. This is our heart. This is what God communicated to us and told us who we're supposed to be as a church. And that then we would offer an opportunity to say, would you like to join us? I mean, would you like to become an owner and say, you know what? This vision is my vision. Man, you say you want to change this area. I want to change this area too. You say you want to spread the gospel farther than it's ever been before in the Illinois Valley. That's what I want to do. And that you say, man, I want to be an owner. I want to take ownership in this church as well, too. I'll take some of the responsibilities. I'm willing to, to serve where I can. Man, I'm willing to pray. I'm willing to believe. I'm willing to stand with you guys. I'm willing to trust you guys as we move forward. When you say, this is what God's calling us to do, that I'll get behind it. And you say, I'm willing to, to give what I can. I'm willing to, to own this message, to own what it is that we're doing. And as a church, what we're doing is then saying that we trust you. We'd love to give everyone an opportunity that when they come through this, they get to a place of trusting where we can say, we believe that you can carry the vision of Acts Church. And I don't, I, I've said it a, a million times, but I'll say it again. I, I hope you understand. This, or all this, or the legal entity, none of that is Acts Church. You're Acts Church. It's people. The Bible makes really, really clear in the word, that every time it uses the word church, it never, ever refers to a building or an organization. It refers to a group of people. That's what the word means. So when I say the church, who am I talking about? Us. We're the church. When I say I want you to be part of Acts Church, what I mean is, is not like that you have to become some sort of organizational membership. What I mean is that you'd say, man, yeah, I'm going to become part of this church. I'll take on my shoulders the same kind of weight. We're going to go, and we're going to change this area for Jesus. We're going we're gonna to serve this area. We're going to show people kindness, and we're going to make sure Jesus is famous in this area. That's what ownership is all about. One of our core values, um, not to negate the words of John Newton that we sang a few minutes ago in Amazing Grace. There's this awesome verse in it and says, I once was lost, but now I'm found, right? Well, one of our core values at Acts Church is actually not lost to found, lost to finding. See, one of our core values is that we don't just simply uh, be lost from, from God and then found in God, but that basically we believe that's one step, and the next step is then you go from found to finding. That then you actively are looking and you are searching out people and communicating the gospel. You're helping God find those who need his message as well. Just like Jesus, who found people who were committed, and then he... he saw that they were really, really in tune, that they believed in Jesus, and he said, well, now go. You go and you take this message, and we're going to spread it farther than ever before. That's the same thing that we want to do as Acts Church, that people who'd stay and say, you know what? I believe what you guys are saying. I believe this is really going to work. I believe this is, this is how I want to live my life, too. And we'd say, well, you know what? We want you to become an owner. 
We want you to take and serve right with us that we're going to change this community together, that we give that same trust to you then and say we believe that you can carry this message and that together, man, together we can accomplish great things. I'll tell you, I mean, in the last few years, the things that Axe has done in this community are, are awesome. I don't know, maybe some of you guys are newer, but I mean, not even a year ago, we had the mayor come in here on a Sunday morning and say we'd be sad if Axe Church left the South Peru. That's crazy, right? A small group of people who can affect a community enough where the mayor already sees it would be bad if you guys left. But that can't happen with one or two people who carry the vision. It's what happens when it gets contagious. When all of us start talking about it and we serve together and say, yeah, I'm, I'm part of this vision. We're going to take and we're going to change this area. And Jesus obviously did this. He grew a team that owned the message. Secondly, Jesus involved man in his miracles. And Jesus was here, he involved men in his miracles. And man, of course, is just, I mean, people. I don't mean he only men, women as well, too. Although Jesus was incredibly powerful and he was very, very able, obviously he could have done anything he wanted to, he included men in the things that he did. One of the most amazing miracles in, in the Bible, um, people talk about it all the time, you guys have probably heard of it, is there's a story where Jesus fed 5,000 people. 5,000 people had come, uh, come along, and, and actually, realistically, it's more than that because it says 5,000 men. Usually, they would only count the men in that time, so there's probably a wife or at least some wives in there, and then as well, kids in there, so probably much more than 5,000 people when it actually comes down to it. And they're following Jesus around, and he's teaching them, and they realize these people haven't ate. Disciples say, you need to send them home so they can get some food, and he says, no, we're just going to feed them. We're going to feed them. And they said, well, Jesus, we only have a, a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And he says, you just... Tell everybody to sit down in groups. Tell everyone to sit down in groups. And he takes this, and he actually breaks it up, and he feeds 5,000 people. Here's the text on the story, okay? Luke 9, 14 through 17. It says there are about 5,000 men there. And Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up to heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Man, that's miraculous, right? He took five loaves, two fish, split it up, fed somewhere between five and 10,000 people, and then afterwards, of those five loaves and two fish, they took and dragged back 12 baskets of leftovers. And that's miraculous, right? That's impossible. You say, that, that couldn't possibly happen. Of course it couldn't possibly happen. It could only be an impossibility that God could do. And he decides to do this. So you would think, well, can't he just take and couldn't he just be like, boom, and like the fish and loaves could explode and there'd be like a plate of it in front of every single person? Of course he could have. Of course he could have. It was Jesus. He could have just snapped his fingers and every person could have had it on a plate in front of him and every person could have had it. Or he could have just taken it and he could have just snapped his fingers and everyone would have a full stomach of, of fish and bread. And they would have been like, why is everyone full all of a sudden, right? He could have done anything he wanted to. But you see what he does is he includes his disciples inside of his miracle. Jesus is about ready to do something miraculous. But what he does is he says, you have people sit down. Now I'm going to begin breaking this bread and you take it to people and you start feeding them. And then you go back out and you collect the extras. See, he included, he included these men inside of his miracle. He used them to serve these people. And it's a common theme that we see throughout the Bible from the, the oldest sense to the very beginning when the flood happened, right? God could have just built a boat, but he had a man build a boat. All the way through, over and over and over again, when God is getting ready to do a miracle, he includes man inside of it. I don't, sometimes I don't even know why. 
But it's how God does what he does. He includes men in his miracles. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. This was our core verse when we just did our series, Heartbeat and Hands, Feet. Uh, If you ever want to go back and look at that, it's about being the body of Christ. It says this, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. And what that means is that, that we are the hands and feet of Christ on this earth, that we are the, the agent by which most of the time he does these miraculous things. Jesus, does he do miracles? Does God do miracles here on earth? Absolutely, but most of the time he does these miraculous things through the hands of you and I, that we're the ones who accomplish it. Let me tell you, for somebody who has nothing and who has no way to be able to feed their kids tonight, for you to walk up and give them a $50 bill, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. God doesn't need to magically provide that $50 in their pocket, but for God to tell you, you know, you should go and help them, and you giving them something, it is miraculous in the eyes of that person who is praying and wondering, God, how am I going to feed my kids tonight? And that's the kind of way that God does these miracles. Sometimes we wonder, why are these miracles not happening? I think a lot of times it's because we're standing in the way. We're not doing the things that God is asking us to do to be that miracle to those other people who need it. But God is so amazingly generous in this. I mean, think about it. Jesus, the most holy and perfect person in the universe, uses men who are imperfect, uses men who are inconsistent, and he uses them to accomplish his perfect will. Well, at Acts Church, just as Jesus works with people, he works with men, he ties them into his miracles, that's the exact same thing that we want to do as a church. We invite you to step into a place of, of, of serving, to a place of, of leading, that we don't want to say, you guys just come and you guys per, you watch what we do. But we say, no, be a part of this. Take this on. We have, I just talked about it in our announcements. We have things like Serve Now where you can sign up and these weekend services where we take and we create an environment where people come in and give their lives to Jesus. That so we say, we don't want to do this and have you watch. We want you to be a part of this. We want you to put your hands on this and say, man, I helped build this. I helped create that service where someone heard the the word of God and they gave their life to Jesus, and you're a part of it. We invite you to take steps into doing those things like Serve Now, or even like we're talking about groups right now, to take a step being able to to lead a life group or lead a subgroup and create a, a community where people can hear about Jesus. We want to see you use your talents, every single one of you guys. Every one of you, I don't know what your self-worth is, what you believe of yourself. Some people, man, their head's as big as a hot air balloon. You know what I mean? They, got, they think they're everything. And I think a lot of people, they don't think so much of themselves. Like, I really don't have that much figured out. But I'm telling you, every one of us have something special that God has given us. You say, oh, not me, I don't really. Yes, you. God gave you something special he hasn't given anyone else. And there's a reason why he gave you that and that you're supposed to use that in order to bless him, basically because you by doing what God given you is blessing him, but also to bless those around you. And I told you, everything, every different skill set, everything you have, that there's opportunities. We try to provide opportunities at Acts Church for you to be able to use those things to honor God. You say, well, I don't really have that much to do. Can you carry a tote? Man, that's a way you can bless God on a Sunday morning in a mobile church. I know it sounds so simple, and you think, does that really matter? Yes, it matters. It matters. You're doing the work for God. Does it matter someone who has, you know, musical ability to come here and play? Are they just playing music? No, they're they're playing for God. Does it matter for somebody who takes and, and, and washes dishes after service? Absolutely. You're serving for God to be able to accomplish these things. You're not just doing it for your fellow man or for yourself, but you're doing something to serve him. 
We try to provide as many opportunities as we can for you to use your, your talents and your time to serve God. One of our core values is do what you can with what you have where you are. What does that mean? It means none of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. Just what you can with what you have where you are. Think I don't have much. There's something you have. There's something you have that you can use to serve God. Maybe it's just a few extra minutes of spare time. Maybe it is a couple extra dollars you have to be able to to give. Whatever it is that God has for you, there's something he's given you that he wants you to use. And our hope is that literally everyone, everyone, listen to me, listen to me, I'm talking about you, everyone would have an opportunity to serve at Acts Church. There'd be some way or another as you grow in your faith that you'd have an opportunity to serve and be able to do something to be part of the mission, not to just be a spectator. So Jesus obviously did this. He involved men in his miracles. Last but definitely not least, though, and I think this applies to what we were just talking about, Jesus used people who didn't have it all figured out, who didn't have it all together. I know that when we start talking about things like opportunities to serve, opportunities to get plugged into a church, maybe an opportunity to lead a life group, or lead a subgroup, very, very many people would have that same feeling, which I've had a lot of times in my life, where I think, I don't know about me doing that, though. I, I don't know about me doing it. It sounds great about people being able to like, lead a life group, but I, I don't know about me being able to do that. I, I got problems. I, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I, I'm really not comfortable with that. I know that you have issues, because I have them too. We all do. But Jesus made it clear that he used men who didn't have it all figured out. He used men who had issues, who had problems, who still had issues with trusting him, who still had problems with understanding what it meant to be a disciple. There were 12 men that he surrounded himself with, one of which who completely betrayed him and turned him over. The other one, though, one of the most common disciples that people associate with, it was that of Peter. And what's interesting is Peter was a, a great guy, man. He was one of the most bold disciples there were. He talked a lot. A lot of times talked too much, actually, to be honest with you. But a lot of people know about Peter because Jesus and, and Peter, there was a lot of uh, conversation between them in the gospel. Well, at the Last Supper, Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to die. Jesus knows the fact that very soon he's going to be put on the cross. He's going to die for the sins of the world. Obviously, it wasn't just a uh, useless death, basically. He knew that he was going to be convicted, but Jesus explains the fact that his death is going, to, is going to pay for the sins of man, that through him he's going to restore righteousness of man to God, that those who believe in him would have a relationship with God again, would be able to go on to eternal life. And he explains all this, and he says, but I'm going to go into the, be betrayed into the hands of these captors. They're going to kill me. And Peter steps up, and he says this in Luke 22, 33 through 34. Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus replies to him, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And at this moment where Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm, they're going to take me and they're going to kill me. Peter says, man, I'm with you 100%. I'll go with and I'll, I'll die on that cross with you. And he says, by tomorrow morning, Peter, you won't even tell people that you knew me. You'll be that embarrassed. You'll be that scared. Jesus calls him out on the spot and tells him, you, you have no idea. You, you are so unfaithful. But the crazy and I think awesome part of this is that Jesus knew this from day one. 
You see, God is omniscient. What it means is that, that he knows all things before they even happen. And Jesus was tapped into that omniscience. And what I mean is that from day one when he started speaking to Peter, from day one when he started communicating to Peter and trusting him, he already knew that he was going to deny him that day. He already knew it. You know, I think if I was in, if I was in Jesus' place, I probably would have a lot more trouble early on, wouldn't I, when Peter's like talking to you? And you'd just be like, you'd be like what's wrong, Jesus? And you'd just be like, I, I don't like you. Because you're going to deny me. I know it. It's going to happen. Someone's going to ask, you know Jesus? And you're going to be like, nah, I don't even know him. And look how much time I'm spending, man, pouring into your life, and you're just going to deny me anyway. You know, I think if we were Jesus, we'd probably have a lot more attitude with Peter coming back, wouldn't we? And Jesus knew it from day one. He knew that Peter was going to turn, and he wasn't going to stand up for him at that moment. He knew that he was going to mess up. And what's amazing is that he trusted him anyway. Most of these men, they didn't have it all figured out. Man, they had weak faith at times. But Jesus continued to use them. He continued to trust them and believe in them. Amazing things happened because of it. At Acts, we don't believe that you have to be a Christian for 20 years to be able to lead a group or be able to serve. We believe in average people making Jesus famous. It's one of our, our most common core values we always throw out there. Is we're about average people making Jesus famous. People who just get a glimpse of Jesus, that we can help make him famous. And we encourage people to serve. Like I said, we encourage people to serve on a, on a weekend, be able to help, or we encourage people to be able to lead. And what I want to say is this, is, is are there going to be problems? Are, are there going to be shortcomings? Are there going to be times that people fall down? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But we're interested in working through them together, just like Jesus did. So he trusted people even though their faith was weak. Sometimes they would fall and sometimes they'd make mistakes and Jesus would help them get back up and they would continue on. And through that, man, the message of Jesus spread in the most amazing ways that we would ever even think possible. In a small little area, it grew to be the Largest, largest denomination, basically the largest belief in the entire world. We believe the same thing, that it's about average people making Jesus famous. Are there going to be groups that have problems as a leader and you think, can I do this? And maybe you're going to make mistakes. Yeah, you'll probably make mistakes. It's okay. It's okay. God's good. He uses people who make mistakes. He uses people who make mistakes. And as a church, we don't want to be more holy than God. You know what I mean? We don't want to be more holy than Jesus. He used people who made mistakes and we want to do the very same. We want to work with you guys to be able to accomplish these things. I'll tell you, people who serve on, on like teams that I, that I lead, man, do we make mistakes back and forth? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we continue to work together to be able to accomplish these great things. This whole series, Growth Track, about tying you into a, a process of growing your faith, and, and the step uh, of, of trusted, I think, is, is one of the most critical ones, to be honest with you. After you give your life to Jesus and you begin developing, I think this trusted step is one of the ones that most people never step into. A lot of people spend their entire life becoming um, loved, saved, and educated, and that's where they stop for the rest of their life. For the rest of their life, they want to sit in church and they want people to feed them and they want to learn more, and that's where their faith just tops out. No more. But see, we believe the fact that the gospel makes clear that putting our faith into action is what brings wisdom and maturity. 
Matthew 7.24, in the NIV, I think it says it best. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let me read this for you one more time, and let me just put my own emphasis on it for you one more time. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. A lot of people forget that and part, and they just think that everyone who hears these words becomes wise, but the the Bible makes clear that that's only half of the equation. The second half is that what you hear, you put into practice, and that is what makes you wise. Hearing and doing, hearing and doing. I'll tell you that many, many churches, many churches have terrific feeding programs, terrific spiritual feeding programs where they will dish out beautiful uh, messages and beautiful worship times and experiences that just feed you and feed you and feed you. But the problem is, is they have extremely weak exercise programs. And what they create is spiritually obese Christians, those that are fat and laden with more information than they've ever used in their entire life. And they just keep getting fatter and fatter and fatter until they get so obese that they can accomplish nothing because all they're worried about is their next spiritual meal. At Acts, our goal is to still have a great spiritual feeding program, but in the same time to have a terrific spiritual exercise program. That which we learn, we must have opportunities to use what we learn, to use the knowledge we gain, to, learn, to use that, that faith that we build and that we grow and be able to put it into practice in order to exercise our faith. The stage of the GT, our growth track, is so vitally important that we begin to realize that that which God has been building in us, whether it be for a few months or whether it be our entire lives, the purpose for that knowledge is then to begin to use it, to then begin to exercise that faith. Whether that be you simply loving literally your neighbor and how you live in that sense, or whether it be getting plugged into a church and saying, as this church, I want to help us grow and be able to affect this area in a way that we never have before. Whatever it is that you begin to exercise your faith. We can't also forget this, that as Christians, one of the greatest callings we have in our life is to become like Christ. To become like Christ. That's the point, right? Christians is to be like Christ. Matthew 20, 28. This is Jesus' words. For even the Son of Man, and that's what he called himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said that he himself did not come here to be served, but to serve others. And that's one of the biggest reasons that we really believe this. Listen to this. Please, please, please hear me. Serving and leading and making your faith less about yourself and more about those who do not know Jesus will bring you closer to the character of Jesus than anything else. Getting the focus off yourself as you become educated, then not focusing so much on where my next spiritual meal comes from, and not focusing so much on just me gaining more knowledge, and then starting to focus on how can I begin to serve others with what I know, it will bring you closer to the character of Jesus than anything else. Because that's what Jesus said. He says, what I have, I've come to serve others with. 
And when we begin to serve, what it does is it, it develops our faith in ways. People will say, well, if I begin to serve then and I start exercising, isn't that, isn't that the opposite? Because then I'm going to get tired and I'm going to get spiritually empty and there's going to be problems. No, because see, the problem is, is this. Most of us, we're not even hungry for spiritual things. And you know why? Because we haven't exercised. You hear me? When you exercise, you get hungry because you burn off calories. And then you have to replenish those. So people say, well, if I just start serving and I start giving and I start using what I have for God, aren't I going to get super tired and I'm going to get super hungry spiritually and I'm going to have problems and I'm going to fail? No, because what's going to happen is then a spiritual hunger is going to grow to replace that and you're going to delve deeper into those things. That's the point, is that when we begin to serve and we begin to use what we have, we begin to pour out everything that God's given us. When we finish serving, we say, man, I'm more spiritually hungry for the things of God than I was before I started. I'm more interested in reading God's word this morning. I'm more interested in hearing these messages. I'm more interested in listening to another podcast to hear more about who Jesus is. And every time we serve, it makes us more and more and more hungry for the things of God. There's many of us you wonder why you're not interested in hearing more about Jesus. It's because you haven't exercised a day in your life. Exercise your faith. Whatever it has, and I, I know some people here might say, well, I'm only a few months into this. That's okay. Exercise what you have. There's a story where Jesus one time, he heals this man, and he says, Jesus, I want to follow you and learn all about you. And he says, just go and tell your family what happened. The man knew nothing except a man named Jesus touched me, and now I'm healed. And he says, go and begin to live that faith. Some of you guys just say, I don't really know that much. Use what you have. Those friends that you know, they need Jesus too. Just begin to share with them in the smallest way. Say, hey man, did I ever tell you that I gave my life to Jesus? I know you're thinking, oh my goodness, that'd be so embarrassing, right? Yeah, sure would be embarrassing to let people know that the Savior of the world saved your, your life and you're no longer destined for hell, right? But you're destined for heaven. That would be embarrassing. Say, man, did I ever tell you that I gave my life to Jesus? That was awesome. Best thing I've ever done in my life. Something that small is exercising your faith and using it. It's important. When we exercise our faith, we gain hunger, and you will still continue to feed spiritually. I want to pray for us as a church. I want to believe that God would, would... would bring us into this place as our faith, that as we are developing our faith, loved, saved, educated, trusted, and we come to this place where we can can begin to, to do stuff with our faith, that we would not let the enemy stop us from taking steps. Do you have sin problems? Of course you have sin problems. Do you have fears? Of course you have fears. But God's gonna ask you to take steps in order to use what he's given you. And some of those things can be the greatest things that ever happened in your life. Just close your eyes with me for a second. I want to do two things. One, just real quick. If there's anybody that, as I'm doing this, I've I've had messages like this before where they don't have a strong salvation influence, but what happens is the whole time when you're hearing this message, it makes sense, but what keeps running in the back of your mind is, yeah, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. That sounds great, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And if there's someone here who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus and says, "I I need to start one with him today, if that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Take a look at me if, if that's you. Raise your hand if it's you. If it isn't, that's okay. But if it's you and you say, man, I, I, I need to start this. 
Okay, and what I want to do for the rest of us is this. I want to pray that us together, that we would just open our minds to what it is that God has next for us. I believe that there are people who God wants to trust with amazing things in this very audience, that there are things that he wants to have you begin to do it in Acts, because it's not just a thing, an Acts church thing, but he's going to develop that to become something that's terrific for the entire world, that you're going to leave here, and you're going to change other things, that you're going to change other communities or other, other places of the world. Let's just pray together for a second here. Jesus, I ask you, that you would bless everyone here right now. I pray to you, God, that you would develop in our hearts just a reality of this message, that we would realize that, that you want to trust us, Lord God, that as you develop our faith, that we would step into a place where you begin to give us opportunities to serve and use our faith, and that you could trust us, whether it be stepping up somewhere in Acts or personally, whatever it is, Jesus, that you would show us what that next step is, and as we take it, that you would help us. Yes, are we going to be scared? Are we going to fail? Absolutely. But that you would remind us that you use people, Lord God. You use people who make mistakes. You use people who fail. And that you would encourage us, Lord, as we become trusted, that we would take these weights on our shoulders, and we would say, I'm willing to carry this vision forward. I'm willing to carry this message forward for you, Jesus Christ. And I just thank you so much for this morning. I pray you bless every single person here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last thing, guys, next week we are finishing up our series, the reaction of this week, being trusted. There's one more thing that God wants to tell you about what comes after this. Please join us again next week.